Chapter 21 of The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls by Laura Lee Hope. A Bonfire. How easy it is to explain things after you know the explanation, observed Grace. A very sage remark, Grace, dear, gibbed Molly. But Amy explained the old ghost without knowing the explanation, giggled Irene. The board in the flooring of the old house, just as Amy had suspected, extended out to the porch. It was on this board that Jasper Hill had stepped when he had made his first visit to the house, that epochal visit when the absurd ghost story about the old place had first had its origin. This board, common to both the house and the porch, had vibrated in response to the pressure, thus causing the slow rocking back and forth of the ghost chair. How simple when it was known, yet how weirdly dreadful when the cause still lay a secret. If we had only found this out when we first came, mourned Irene, how much worry and uneasiness we might have saved ourselves. Well, just think how much worry and uneasiness we are going to save ourselves, said Molly cheerfully. Now, taking firm hold of the rocking chair, who is going to help me burn this thing? She did not lack for supporters. The girls bore the chair between them to the cleared space at the back of the house and danced a wild dance of thanksgiving as the erstwhile ghost went up in smoke. Goodness, Molly glanced at her wristwatch as the ceremony was completed. It's dreadfully late, girls. It's almost time for Betty and the boys to be up here now. I don't believe we will have time to clear the house up. In spite of Molly's prophecy, the outdoor girls flew about, setting the old house to rights and really accomplishing an astonishing amount of work. They felt joyful and as light as air now that the hant was definitely dislodged. However, despite their best efforts, they had not quite finished their work when the sound of a car on the road outside and the tooting of a motor horn brought them to the door with a rush. It is Betty and Alan, cried Amy. Oh, the sweet thing! Who, giggled Irene behind her, Betty or Alan? Amy did not hear her. She was already halfway out to the familiar little roadster, the other girls trailing after her, shouting joyful greetings to the newcomers. Have pity on my new sport suit, laughed Betty as she was pulled and hauled eagerly by six arms from her seat beside Alan. It's the only one I'm apt to get this year. Oh, girls, but it's good to see you. The outdoor girls, the three older club members at least, were so enthusiastically of the opinion that it was good to see Betty that Alan found himself for a time completely forgotten. They remembered him at last, but then only because he was needed to carry into the house and upstairs the two heavy suitcases belonging to himself and Betty. Betty's going to bunk with us, Alan, and you can camp with the boys, announced Molly in an offhand manner. Well, I guess. Oh, all right, was the dubious reply. We must have our little captain. I'm just an also-ran, Alan told Grace dolefully, meeting her on the stairs. Guess I'll go and cool my heels in the old family well. Grace laughed and patted him on the arm. Cheer up, lawyer Alan. The boys will be here presently. Honest, grinned Alan. Then there's hope for me. 
Betty was at once taken up to the big front room and shown where to hang her hat. Which is about all I brought with me, really, she laughed. Alan and I will have to start back tomorrow. Oh, Betty, so soon? We hoped to keep you for a week, at least. The girls were so utterly taken up with Betty that they had no suspicion of the arrival of the three boys until Alan ushered them in and called loudly for his wife. Fine lot of hostesses you are, he exclaimed, grinning, as the girls appeared at the head of the stairs and looked eagerly downward. How do you expect your guests to know they are welcome if you don't tell them so? They aren't guests. They're part of the happy family, chortled Grace. There was a rush down the stairs, and the boys were immediately surrounded. If there had ever been any doubt as to their welcome, that doubt was instantly dispelled. Where's Molly? Roy cried. I've got hold of something, but you can't see a thing in this dark place. Come into the kitchen, then, Molly invited. The sun does shine in there once in a while. So does Grub, returned Frank Haley, hopefully. You have the right idea, Molly. Lead us to the kitchen. A laughing crowd pushed its way into the kitchen, but Will and Amy were left, standing close together in the hall, looking after the rest. Will laughed, then turned to Amy and took her hands in his. Can't we get out of this and take a little walk somewhere, he begged. You've no idea, sadly, what countless eons have passed since we last met, Amy Blackford. Amy laughed and was glad the hall was too dark for Will to detect her heightened color. I suppose we could go for a walk, she said in reply to his question. But don't you think to slip away now would look a trifle, well, marked? Who cares if it does, said Will, suddenly masterful as he led her to the front door. We can slip out this way and probabilities are they will never miss us. Amy hesitated briefly, then gave in. For the moment, she was as brave as Will. After all, what did it matter if they were missed? They would return in a little time anyway. Out in the lovely woods, trailing slowly along the banks of the river, Will and Amy had surprisingly little to say to each other, considering all the things they had intended to say when they should meet. A curious restraint seemed to envelop them, causing them to speak of small and unimportant things when the only possible subject of importance to them just then was that all-absorbing one, themselves. As Amy glanced covertly at Will, sauntering along at her side, she wondered if he were unhappy about something or worried. He had omitted all mention of the new position in the two letters she had received from him since leaving Deepdale. Was it possible that something had gone wrong there? Is something the matter, Will? she asked gently. You seem just a little bit too thoughtful for you. Will kicked a stone out of the path and turned abruptly to a big flat rock on the edge of the woods that offered an excellent seat. Let's sit down here, he said. I've got to tell you, and I suppose I might as well get it over with as quickly as possible. Amy's heart sank. Then she had been right. She said nothing, only regarded him with troubled eyes as he sat on the rock beside her, fiercely frowning at the ground. I'm afraid it's all off, Amy, the new position, I mean, he said in a gruff voice that did not in the least hide the fact of his misery. I boasted too soon and received the reward of the boaster. The new job 
increased salary and all, goes to another chap in the office, Joe Harrison. Oh! Amy drew a long, tremulous breath. For once, gentle Amy was fiercely indignant. She turned to Will with blazing eyes. It isn't fair. I know that Joe Harrison can't do the work as well as you. I know it. The girl's championship warmed Will's heart. He looked at her quickly, but the momentary gleam in his eye was again submerged by misery as he slowly shook his head. It's mighty fine to hear you say that, Amy. You're a little brick, but it really isn't true. Joe Harrison is a fine fellow, and I guess is as well fitted to the new job as I am. Maybe better. The boss must think so anyway. With the first touch of real bitterness he had shown. Or he wouldn't have put him over me. Amy sat quite still for a long moment. She was not thinking of herself now, of her own bitter disappointment. Her sympathy was all for Will in his trouble. How could she comfort him? The answer came impulsively. Reaching out a warm little hand, she touched Will's as it lay, a hard brown fist on the rock beside her. I'm so dreadfully sorry, Will, she whispered. But there will be other chances. Maybe. Will caught her hand in his and turned toward her miserably. But I didn't want to wait, Amy. I thought maybe you and I... He jumped to his feet suddenly and thrust his hands resolutely deep in his pockets. Let's join the others, shall we? He asked in a strained voice. I... Why, with a change to surprise as he peered through the woods, here they come now, the whole crowd. You two runaways, cried Grace, suddenly spying them. We're on our way up the river. Want to come? Everyone had a glorious time that afternoon, except Amy and Will. All paddled lazily about in the canoes, always on the smooth portion of the river, admiring the view and basking in the sunshine. The glimpse that they got of the dazzling waterfall in the distance excited the interest and curiosity of the boys. They went for a look at it, first restoring the canoes to the boathouse dock. It was a beautiful sight, that rushing stream of water dashing from a dizzy height into the foaming river, sending up its spray against the rocks in myriad tiny rainbow drops. Only it seems to me... Foaming falls are in rather dangerous proximity to the more quiet water, Frank said seriously. A canoe slipping through the inlet might find itself caught in the current and swept on resistlessly to the falls. And oh, what a fall that would be, chuckled Irene. You needn't worry, Frank Haley. We aren't any of us ready to die just yet. They returned to the stone house soon after that driven to return by the knowledge that camp was still to be made, the boys' camp, that is, for the night. A wagon had been found at Foaming Falls Village to transport the camping paraphernalia, and as soon as the boys returned to the house, they set to work to assemble the separate parts into a respectable camp. A sudden change in the weather forced them to hurry with their work. Rain had been threatening all afternoon, and now it seemed that the storm was fairly upon them. Lucky we managed to get everything under cover, said Will as the boys stamped into the house in answer to the girls' third call for dinner. We may be able to keep dry, at least. 
However, it was not till the girls and boys had retired for the night that the storm reached its full fury. About two o'clock in the morning, the chums were startled wide awake by the slamming of the shutters, the creaking of old timbers, and the sheeting fury of rain upon the window panes. Betty started to her feet with a cry of alarm. The boys, their tent will be blown down. She had scarcely stopped speaking when there came a hammering of fists on the door below and a shout of voices. The girls slipped on dressing gowns and slippers and rushed downstairs. End of Chapter 21 Read by Joni Vatinen, Elk River, Minnesota, August 4, 2022